Hey, everybody. Welcome to Over 50 Starting Over. And I have a very special guest here today, Coach Rihanna Milne. And she was featured in the March 14th, 2023 Influencer Daily, selected as one of the top coaches to follow in 2022 by Wealth Insider Magazine, and is also featured in Forbes Magazine and Business, Business Success Magazine in 2023. She's a certified global life, love, trauma, recovery, and mindset coach advanced certified clinical trauma and addictions professional, and a number one best-selling author, the host of her, uh, of her own podcast called Lessons in Life and Love. And I highly suggest you check that out. I really like that podcast. She's an ed educational speaker and a licensed mental health counselor for over 23 years living in Palm Beach County, Florida. And uh, we go to Florida every year. Sir, so oh, it's awesome here. It. Yeah. <laughs> Rihanna also won the 2022, do you say, is it GIVA or do you say G-I-B-A? GIVA. Okay, GIVA. 2022 mm -hmm. GIVA International Award for Top Female Entrepreneur of the Year and Top Global Wellness Coach. Wow. And was selected in 2021 as one of the most, uh, one of the 100 most successful women around the world by the Global Trade Chamber. She was also a life and dating, dating coach for the 12 show docuseries Radical Dating. I do not know that docuseries. Where is that? Hosted. It was on a couple different places. That was several years ago. Oh, okay. Finding yeah. love, finding lasting love over 40. We got so much to talk about here. So <laughs> pertinent to our to our clientele here. And yeah. her client is now happily married. Rihanna specializes in those who have had past childhood or relational trauma and offers group and VIP coaching programs for singles and couples globally. Rihanna's five-star rated books, the number one bestseller, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships, and Have the Love You Deserve, and Live Beyond Your Dreams, From Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose and Success, Addresses life life's difficult transitions, personal transformation, the mindset for success, and having loving, conscious relationships with yourself and others. I will provide links to her website and books and podcasts in the show notes. So welcome to the show, Rihanna. So good. Thank you so you. much, Barry. Thanks for having me. It's I a really back your show. Oh well, thank you very much. And you're so pertinent to this. I. I love your content. You come at it from a lot of different angles. I'm going to quote you right, right off the top, a quote that I love. I'll say it wrong, but it's something to the effect of 100% of us have some form of childhood trauma. Yes, and that's that true. Plays into our relationships. If we don't address them and heal them, then they're going to hurt us in some way and pl continue to play out, correct? Yes, that is true. Direct okay. correlation between childhood trauma and love trauma. Nice. And we agreed today that we're going to try to tackle two big subjects, uh, top five ways to improve your uh, relationship. So uh, speaking to people like me in relationships and top five uh, tips for people that are single looking for a relationship. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Where, where do you want to start? Uh, well, why don't we start where the trouble is coming from? What is okay. childhood trauma? Most people think they don't have it. 
because big trauma is something they would usually equate with that. So big yeah. T trauma is like having a car accident and losing a limb. That's certainly a big trauma if that happened to you as a child. But the little T traumas are the ongoing emotionally uh, experiences that hurt people over time. And then they bring that into the adult love relationship. So normally there are more than top 10 traumas, but I think mentioning those so people understand right off the bat, what are the traumas and how do they show up in relationships? And then how do we fix it? And then tips for singles and couples. So um, going into what the top 10 traumas are, um, before I mention those, I want to mention that the research shows that this goes through at least three generations. So if you recognize you have traumas, definitely your parents had them too. Um, and also this is not about blame or shame. So we're not looking to blame your parents at this stage of life. And we're not looking to make you feel ashamed or guilty in every way. Because let's face it, we all had some kind of incidences that happened to us. So my quote is, you can't change what you don't know or understand. And when I was in coming out of a second love trauma, it made me stop as a therapist and say, why am I attracting this type of partner? I'm a good lady. I work really hard. I have a successful business. I have amazing children. Everything in my life was perfect. And then this one thing kept happening. And I was at that point of frustration and you can't change what you don't know. Mm. So this is about really educating and letting you understand what those are. And then how do we change that? So. Um, the, would you like me to go through the top 10 now? I, I, yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you just briefly, uh, sure. how do we, how did you identify your own traumas within yourself? Uh, well, I have a triple master's in applied clinical and counseling psychology. So I started my practice in therapy in year 2000 called therapy by the sea up in South Jersey. Um, and as a therapist, I went into a lot of different rooms. I was often having five jobs at one time. So one was in um, every level of the school system. I was a SAC counselor, student assistance counselor. So I was the one that got the emotionally upset kids. And I'm talking again from kindergarten all the way through college. I was a college counselor at Rowan University where I got my master's. So, you know, just hearing their stories and identifying over and over these top 10 traumas. Then I was a night therapist in a drug and alcohol facility for women from the prison system from ages 18 through 65. Then I worked part-time in a mental health ward for a hospital for kids age five through 19 and a teen rehab center. So all these different real life experiences with these diverse ages, populations, men, women, kids, the top 10 traumas kept coming up. And when my second love partner said, I don't know what's the matter with me, I sabotage everything I love, my head's going through the diagnostic models of psychology. And I said, I don't know either, but I got to figure it out. Not only for him and us and for that relationship to heal, but for my own self, like why am I attracting this type of person? So there was nothing for me to go on. And what I have learned in all my education, I started heading to the research journals. And that's when I discovered childhood trauma. 
and put the list out for my own clients, which is called the Childhood Trauma Checklist, which they all can get on my website, rihannamilne.com. But um, it's very easy to understand. I'm going to go through that today. So if you're at home and you're able to get a piece of paper, you can write them down and see how many you have. And then my job as your therapist and coach is to see which ones you do have. Then as we get to know each other, get the severity levels and then help you heal them and overcome the childhood trauma response system because trauma stays stored in the brain and the body. And that's what happens. We get emotionally triggered and we keep sabotaging what we love or your relationships. So that's how I came across it. That's why I discovered. Fantastic. You want to go through the top 10? Okay. So the top 10. Um, Now this could happen in your home environment or any environment when you were young, school, playground, wherever. Okay. So the first one is if you had drugs or alcohol or any addictions in the family. So let's go, since I'm an addictions counselor too, the 12 that could have shown up. So drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater and you were maybe holding the family secret, porn, eating, hoarding, spending, gambling, um, TV watching, workaholism, social media addiction, gaming. You know, so those are some of the addictions that might have come up and the child's just kind of left by the side while these addictions are going on. Second is verbal messaging. So as your parents had issues, how did they settle them? Were they yelling and screaming at each other? Then you usually then learn to be a yeller or if you try to intervene, they would say, shut up, go to your room. You have nothing to say or you get punished and you learn to yell or to speak up when there's an issue is a scary thing. So that- uh, That hits close, I'm sorry, it's it's close, close to home for me. Okay. Yeah. So then you get quiet and you're not able to speak your feelings because it doesn't feel safe, right? That's true. Okay. So that's verbal messaging. Also, did you hear the words, I love you? Um, Did you get compliments? Good job, honey. That's all right. You didn't win. I know you tried your best. These are compliments that every child needs to hear, not that they're not good enough. And very often those are the messages we heard. Okay. Um, Third is emotional abuse or neglect. Fourth is any physical abuse, hitting, rape, or molestation, again, inside or outside of the home. Um, The next one is abandonment. So I identify two types, fault and no fault. So a no fault abandonment would be a parent that happens to die early, a parent um, being deployed for war and they have to leave the home and then they're in this risky situation. And during like the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, I'm working in an elementary school. And you just see the kids just like blanked out, you know, just thinking, my, my mom, okay, my dad, okay. And then these kids are identified as ADHD. And I'm like, no, they have trauma going on. Mm. And, and it's like, I was such an advocate for don't throw them on ADHD medicine, let's heal the trauma. So I was doing all kinds of really neat um, things with kids like meditation in the office, you know, using music therapy and other kinds of things, uh, behavior modification with star charts. And and that was working to get them more focused and and excelling. Right. So but it is a big impact. Um, Fault abandonment would be never being in your child's life being in their life while the couple's together. If they break up, you barely see your child. And the other one would be, yes, the parents even physically in the home, but they're not emotionally connected to their kids. They're absorbed with work. 
their friends, sports, whatever it is. But, you know, I used to hear so many kids say, I have to go to my dad's house. And I said, well, how bad is that? He just sits there and watches football. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a parent checked out and not, you know, I'm just in the room all by myself on my computer. And, you know, they don't want to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So these kinds of things where they just feel not connected to the parent. So abandonment's a big one. The next one is if you're part of the foster care system, adopted, or had to go live in someone else's home. Trauma seven is a big one. Most people know um, how can identify with this, just feeling different in some way, or if you were bullied. So if you were a chubby child or skinny and nerdy, or you you were very smart, but considered a nerd, you were called that. you know, if you're a, a African-American in all Caucasian school or coming out LGBTQ and not accepted for that. So there's so many reasons that people can identify with trauma seven. Trauma eight is around the sibling. So most often you might perceive your sibling as being the golden child, the favored one. So the star athlete, more handsome, more beautiful, the smarter student that you're always compared to them. You feel you can't measure up. So that's a big one. Or your sibling bullied you, or they might have been born with a medical issue and that commanded more of mom's and dad's time and attention. You just kind of felt left off to the side. Okay, trauma nine actually has two traumas now because I had to bring down trauma 11, which when I first did the less, that's where it was. And it's actually one of our biggest traumas today. And that's called community trauma. So that's our mass shootings, our school shootings, our mother nature events that wipe out huge communities, obviously COVID Mm -hmm. and the medical issues that have happened in the past two years around COVID and inflation and anything else that's impacting our society or our community at large. And then that impacts the other part, which is family. So any trauma associated with these impacts, but family trauma could also be having a parent incarcerated Um, it could be, you know, living in a dangerous neighborhood, always worried about money when you're growing up, hearing fights around bills and money and the lack messages. So there's a lot that can be involved with that, but those are just a few. I got a lot of that last one too. Did you? Yeah. The lack, the lack. Yeah. But you know, I think a lot of people in our, in our generation did because their parents were coming out of the depression. Yeah, so, my parents did. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes right back to what you said about three generations uh, are affected. That's right. By trauma. Yeah. Yeah. They went through the, the big depression. And I was on the beach talking to like nine of my cohorts. I'm 65. And, you know, I was talking about they all went to know what's the top 10 list. So when I said that one, they're like, well, I didn't hear I love you. None of them, all nine did not hear the messages I love you. And I actually taught my mother to say it. I said, mom, it's important that your kids hear that. She goes, well, those aren't words I ever heard. I said, well, why do you think that? She goes, well, we grew up in the Great Depression. It was not about emotions. It was about survival. We all worked to survive. That was it. Right. You know, and that was love. Your parents made sure you were safe and had food on the table. That was it. So you it's know, very interesting. You you made me think of um my partner, Lisa, and I have been through some couples therapy some years ago. It helped a, a great deal. One of the most helpful things that I learned is about that book, The Five Love Languages. Mm-hmm. I really learned a lot from that. I didn't realize like my brother is a doer. He does okay. things for people. That's his love language. You know, I, right. I'm verbal. And prior to learning this stuff, if people weren't verbal like me, I'd 
you know, I misconstrue their intentions and think that maybe they didn't love me or something the same way. So I think that was a pretty important point. For me, I looked at the book and I said, I like all of them. Why do I have to choose one? <laughs> That's true. And I think most of us have. More and I, I try to give my partner all five. Mm. Nice. You know, yeah. make sure yeah. they feel loved and mm. uh, like who doesn't want to hear you look pretty today or I love sure. you. Who doesn't want to hear that? You know, who doesn't want to hold your hand? You know, that's physical touch. Who doesn't? Mm. You know, we all want all five of them. That's kind right. of how I looked at that book. But right. Yeah. Right. Do you want to get started on the uh, singles? Uh, yes, but I didn't do number okay. 10. And number oh. 10 is an important one. Okay. Um, that's if. um you have mental health illness and mom or dad and the two most difficult for kids to live through is bipolar and borderline personality sure. disorder. So borderline is fast trigger anger or emotions. The child never knows what they're going to get because when they're good, they're awesome. But when they're bad, they're horrid. So it keeps that kid in high state of anxiety. I think really that's the worst one. Then bipolar is manic depressive. People think manic's a high and happy state. Well, it could be for a short period of time, like a spending spree, a gambling binge. But as soon as that turns bad or you don't have money to pay the bills, now you're in a depressed state for a longer period of time. So that is the top 10 right there. Are these things on the rise, these kinds of mental illnesses, or are we just becoming more aware of them? Uh, I think both. I think, you know, more and more people are talking about mental health and what is good mental health. And, and people are really suffering with the affects of COVID and yes. um, lack of morality in our society. Yes. Um, people afraid to connect or the lack of money to connect, you know, and, and the stereotypical well, if I'm a man and I have a woman, I'm going to have to take care of her. I don't have the money. So I don't want a girlfriend. You know, I hear that or I'm not prepared to have a girlfriend. So it's a whole lot of things going on mm. right now. Yeah. Agreed. And where do you think helicopter parenting falls into all of this? Do you think that that's something I guess you wouldn't call that a trauma, but it certainly has an effect on behavior and not preparing kids to being able to uh, face up to challenges is how I see it. Um, well, I think our job as parents is to teach kids to be independent and take care of ourselves. Right. That is the role of a parent. I mean, now with my daughters, they were out on their own supporting themselves at 19, mm. a single mom. So that was my job raising, especially two daughters, to make sure they were smart, well-educated. My one daughter exempted 11th grade, went from 10th to 12th grade. They were both working at a very early age because I wanted them to know the value of money and being able to take direction from a boss, not just mom. Um, so yeah, I started them as early as I could and all those things. And they're very independent and smart and have great salaries, you know, throughout their life. So they were always able to take care of themselves, but that is our role as a parent. Right, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, ready to get into the top five uh, tips sure. for single, single sure. people, I suppose. Okay. Uh, we didn't come up with what is the aspect of the trauma. Can we hit that second? Sure. Yeah. Which absolutely. shows up. Okay. So why is childhood trauma messing up our relationships? Mm -hmm. That would be the question, right? So um, let's talk about some of these side effects when it's not healed. So jealousy and control are a result of trauma seven and trauma two, which is hearing the verbal messages of you're not good enough. And maybe being bullied and feeling not good enough. 
So you may, you know, be showing your, your partner all this love and affection, but if you don't feel that you measure up, you're going to have this doubt, jealousy, and control going on. So that's very important to heal that. Impulsivity comes from lack of trauma. Let's say the guy wants to buy the shiny red sports car and he knows they don't have the money because I'm buying it anyway. We'll deal with it later. I don't care what my wife says. That's impulse. And that is self-centered. That usually is someone coming from a lack background and working hard now and wants these things that he was never able to have, whether it's for status or ego and putting himself out there and the partner relationship at risk. Impulse is what is the result of affairs. So it usually has a narcissism trait to it, uh, lack of teamwork with a partner. So that's a really important one to stop impulsivity. People pleasing is a lot, one that a lot of women have. Let's say they had the difficult mother and they're a daughter and they like get all the siblings ready for school and get the lunches done, get them out to the bus stop. Better that than hearing the alcoholic mother yelling and screaming in the morning. So she did that to keep the peace. So she knew to get love, she had to overdo. And later in life, I hear women married to men and say, I do everything for him and my kids and I get no love back. There's no appreciation. So she's burnout, she's exhausted. She keeps stretching herself to show love and then she feels empty, not getting it back. So people pleasing is a tough one. If you experienced abandonment issues, then there's very often what we call RRS, relationship repetition syndrome, where you might've had a long-term toxic marriage. You're finally out of it. Your first boyfriend toxic again. Then you read all these self-help books. I swear it won't happen again. And boom, it happens again. <laughs> That's usually when I get someone on round three, like, why do I keep attracting these toxic people? And believe me, I get it. I was there. Um, so that has abandonment issues or being clingy or um, having codependency. Mm. And the RRS is also a pattern of breaking up. And then you go two weeks or three weeks and you get back together break up, get back together. Research shows that cycle goes on about seven times before the stronger person is finally done. So there's incredible research on all this. Um, imposter syndrome, blaming others and not being able to say, I'm sorry. Um, perfectionism is a big one. Um, what There's, a, there's a, also something called blurting out um, that one of our past politicians used to do all the time. And people would be saying, what did he just say? <laughs> These shocking statements. So there's like no filter sometimes just to push a point or push an agenda. Um, this is what we call blurting out. And for someone that studies childhood trauma, which he did have, it's a very evident, obvious pattern. Okay, that's from unhealed childhood trauma. So it's very interesting study. There's like 24 combinations, but those are just a few that I see on an ongoing basis. And then there's seven life areas that impact you when you have unhealed childhood trauma, not just mental health, like depression, ongoing anxiety, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, like you can't heal from the past partner, the rumination of why did he leave me? You know, uh, why did he have the affair? You can't get over it. You can't forgive it. It just consumes you 24-7. That's some of the, the things going on. Physical health and impacts like eating disorders, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, migraines, 
Um, early death even was found in studies. You know, people that don't heal their trauma have a shorter lifespan of about 20 years. Wow. Um, relationship issues that we just talked about, emotional issues, like having trouble with extreme stress, being emotionally triggered, you can't soothe yourself, you're often angry, or the passive aggressive pattern comes up. And then there's different, uh, two different areas for children, lack of memory and focus, you know, mm -hmm. when they're consumed with a trauma coming from home, mm -hmm. also the following smaller brain size, less efficient processing, changes in the gene expression was found in people who were survivors from the Holocaust lineage. So it even impacts our DNA. So it's really important that if you can heal it and stop it for yourself, you can stop it for your children. And then we're stopping the generational patterns. So. And what would you say would be a first step towards identifying our own individual trauma? Now, you got to identify it before you can deal with it. Right. Well, that was the top 10 list. Yes, I had. I was bullied as a kid. Yes, I don't always feel good enough. Yes, I'm a perfectionist. And that can work well in the workplace. But when you're always nitpicking or critical of your partner, you know, they just start shutting down emotionally and you lose the love that you wanted, you know, because they're never good enough. Um, so any of those, if you're recognizing those patterns in yourself and your relationships or the top 10 traumas that you went through as a kid, mm. you know, that's when people would come to me for what we call life and love transformation discovery session. So I have like six assessments that I give them. I go through, have more questioning, and then I build the puzzle pieces so they understand what's going on now came from this, this, and that. Mm. So now once there's understanding, we can fix it. I, I like that a lot. I, I could say Lisa and I could identify with a lot of what you've already brought up, but I can also say that we've been dealing with it for many years too. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's out in the open. So we help each other. We understand each other and help each other deal with it, help each other accept each other. And well, uh, there's a whole lot of communication yeah. that my couples learn when they come here. I work with both singles, couples, straight and LGBTQ from ages 16 to 76 because childhood trauma has no prejudice. No, <laughs> so, right. you know, I teach them for the couples new ways to communicate, um, nice. understanding each other's traumas, working on what they need to work on to be a better person, to be more consciously aware of all choices that are made, what you say, what you uh, write, what you text, what you yeah. do is all thought about in a conscious way, 24 seven. Most I, people live totally unconsciously. They just do what they do without thinking twice. Oh, Working as terrible. a team and getting beyond the pain being able to talk in an empowered way to your partner, not shutting down, not saying anything for a week or a month, hoping it will just go away. Yeah. No, you have to have an empowered, loving, kind conversation and learn to be able to do that without fear or judgment. Yeah, you need a lot of trust. That's right. That. We have to rebuild the trust, the friendship, all of that. Yeah. Oh, I like what you're saying. Now, you also work with uh, every one of your clients. You do meditation, don't you? Yes. Mm -hmm. What kind of meditation? Well, it's one that I developed from reading probably 15 different meditative books, mm -hmm. and I call it divine spiritual meditation. So it's 15 minutes. 
Um, but it's really important because in science and quantum physics, it is proven that meditations lessens anxiety. And my, my program's all holistic, all natural, mind, body, spirit. So no psychotropic drugs like mm. Xanax. No, my people are not on any medications at all. So um, it lessens depression, anxiety, cortisol, which is a fight, flight, or freeze. And it was really important for me like to do that with my students because if I could lower their cortisol, learning and focus and memory went up. Mm. They came in with it, you know, because they had a screaming match of the parents and a physical fight that they witnessed. And they're like all hyper and their cortisol is way up. They're not going to learn anything that day. Right. You know, so I have to get everything lowered in the body. It also lowers blood pressure, mm. then improves memory, focus and increases dopamine and serotonin levels, mm. which is your high and happy chemicals. So we all meditate 15 minutes a day using a certain pattern of meditation that I teach. Oh, that's really good. Good. Yeah. Um, do you want to, I keep asking you, do you want to get yeah. to that top five of uh, <laughs> sure. tips for single people? Yeah. Okay. For, so for singles um, to help attract, which we call emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious love. So evolved means being the highest and the best person. Of course, this all begins with you. B what you want to attract. So on the website, also my rihannamilne.com, I have a top 10 list. Are you really ready for a relationship, right? Because everyone wants love and they divorce and they start going out and they're separated and they haven't healed anything. They haven't fixed anything in them and they're going to attract someone else of the same caliber, okay? So we, we look at that top 10 list. They do that for me and I'm like, okay, here's our roadmap of what we're working on. And I would say you have to have an eight, nine or a 10 to feel confident enough that you are the whole package when you go out there to date and you're not going to settle for something less. Okay. So super important, be who you want to attract by healing yourself first, and then you can have an emotionally healthy partner that increases your confidence and your self-esteem, knowing exactly what you're looking for. So we go into that. And you need to be a successful single first. So do you love your own life? Are you happy? Do you have great friendships? Are you in a career that you love? Do you have good relationships with your kids? Are you financially sound? Do you have no cheap drama? Because you can't go out with cheap drama in your life hoping someone's going to settle it for you. Nobody wants your problems. So heal your problems for yourself. That is huge. So get rid of any negativity, cheap drama. Your mindset should be very positive, loving, uh, fun-loving. Don't take on other people's problems. Date when you're problem-free. So it's a conscious choice when you're going to start dating or it's like, no, I just started a new job. I want to make sure I excel. For two months, I'm not even going to think about dating. I'm going to make sure this is secure for me, right? So dating is a conscious choice. Um, you must be authentically yourself. But there definitely is a five second rule when a woman goes out to date a man because of caveman brain, they are hardwired to one attraction. So very often a man will get to a bar restaurant first, sit himself at the bar facing the door. As you walk in, he knows yes or no, I want to see her again or not. Just the way it is. <laughs> so, you know, do your hair, do your makeup, you know, look good, feel good. Um, you know, have a nice warm personality, but there is a five second rule. It's real. Um, so be stylish, be neat. Okay. Know the questions to ask on your first date. Make sure, um, you know, I have 24 questions in my Love Beyond Your Dreams book. 
in the last section. These are the questions you should be asking. This is what you should be looking for. If you hear anything like this, that's probably not good for you to move on to a second date. Mm. You know, so really know the questions to ask. And the next one is know the things you should never say. If someone asks you about sex or sexuality, just say, I don't discuss that on a first date. And know that that should not be a second date. Mm. Okay, you're there to try and make a new friend. Um, so don't bring up your ex, sex, money, problems, problem kids, and definitely don't send any sexy photos. If someone's looking for that, you know their mentality, mm. and you should just block them and not even continue. Someone, Especially at our me, age. Yeah, send me pictures. You know, answer there's pictures on the, the dating app. Mm. What do you need pictures of? You know, if they don't answer you, then you know that they're looking for sleazy pictures and that's not who you want in your life. Next, you know, we just have that word next. The world's abundant. Like, no, not even dealing with that. And then I would turn them into the website. I Um, I just want to interject. I had uh, on here some weeks ago, a couple months ago, Debbie Weiss, and she wrote a book called Available As Is. It's a really good book. And it's about, you know, her husband passed away at 50, uh, cancer was pretty sudden Mm. all of a sudden she finds herself in the dating world and she's completely unprepared like her husband really took care of her and she was very forthcoming about her shortcomings Uh so it was i really it really pulled me in but the guys that she dated just the the behavior seems so immature to me at our There's age. a lot of immaturity out there at our age. Yeah, it's <laughs> you would think people would be more consciously aware, more spiritual, yes. more loving. Uh, that is why having a great friendship circle is really important. Um, I recently went on a singles cruise in January and they asked me to be a speaker. And I made really great friends. And they're my friend group. I was just at a party yesterday with like 80 people for someone's birthday. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's a great friendship group that you can enjoy that and you can enjoy your dating or your, mm. you know, excuse, exclusive lifestyle. And ideally, your new partner can be part of the friendship group, too. Oh, right. Nice, yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, I'm, I'm being a, um, a travel advocate right now. My travel company is romanceinternationaltravel.com and I'm sponsoring singles trips. So. When, you know, singles who are just sitting at home and only on dating apps, that's not what you want to do. You want to be out living life, meeting people through people, Mm -hmm. going on singles trips. So you're meeting other singles for friendship, fun and love. Like I just did the podcast, Five Sexy Singles from the Ship, all over 50. One of the guys found love and I'm like, okay, you know, which one found love Mm -hmm. and why did he find love and what was the qualities he was looking for? So they're very informative podcasts. But the idea is, and the others of us just ended up with a very loving friendship, which mm-hmm. we call agape love, unconditional love of a friend, right? So there's all different kinds of loves that you can have. And that's part of being a successful single. Mm-hmm. Have a fun life and you're not feeling desperate to have one person to love you. You know, love comes from so many different areas, right? So very often when I'm working with my clients, they're like, I don't have any friends. I feel really alone. And, you know, for the other author you're talking about, for her to be taken care of by a man completely, that's a rare thing today. You know, so have your own life together, have your finances together. I often have to teach people about finances and savings and Roth IRAs. And so as a life coach, that's my job to look at everything, get your goals and dreams together, get your life started so that you're happy. Then you attract 
numerous partners. Right, right. You know, I'd like to just mention, too, I, I think your singles cruises is a fantastic idea. When I was talking all this uh, dating stuff through with Debbie Weiss, the other author, um, we came up to like in the end, what she finally started doing, she got off the dating apps and she started uh, doing meet meet up oh, meet up groups. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Doing hiking. Hiking okay. is a brilliant idea. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. a huge cyclist. So that's what I would do. You yes. know, and I think that that's a, a fantastic. Uh... Our group is all dancers. We oh, love yeah. dance bands. So we go oh. find a great dance band every weekend in South Florida, which there's many of them. Oh, I bet. So we end up going dancing and socializing that way. And we really enjoy it. And there's other things that we do, but dancing is a big part. Travel's another one. Yeah, traveling is great. You never you never go be- go out to an exotic place or a different country and come back the same person. You're, yeah. you're, you grow a little bit. That's right. You have a great Cancun trip coming up in September. Mm. I'm really excited about it. Then this is not a cruise. It's at a five-star adults-only resort. Mm, nice. That's um, going to be fun. That's yeah. so beautiful. It'll be awesome. Yeah, I love Mexico. <laughs> then I'm speaking there. I'm, I'm talking on relationships. I'm doing beach motivation and meditation. So nice. I call it the transformation vacation. Oh, that's beautiful. You don't sit still much, do you? No. Even on vacation. <laughs> I live large. I live life large. Yeah. No, I love my beach time. Um, that's one reason I settled in South Florida. I go to the beach at least once a week, usually on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Take a very spiritual, motivational book. You know, that always keeps me centered. And that's some of my chill time. Can you know, we talk about spirituality for a minute? Sure. Yeah, I uh, I think it's... um. I think it's a really important thing that's lacking in our society today. And it leaves a gap in, in your, in your being that's going to get filled by something. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's these political ideologies and, uh, and associated things like that, uh, where that becomes more of your identity. How do and, and so I also think that there's kind of my usual co-host Merle and I will talk about the cheap uh, the cheap laugh or applause that a comedian can get if they say something that's anti-religion it's because it's like a fad a movement right now to be anti-religious and um so if they say something against that they'll woo you know people will get all crazy about it mm. and i don't I know that- i go to a lot of comedy clubs i don't really necessarily notice that but I do make a distinction for my clients between religion and spirituality. Totally. Spirituality is a way of being 24 mm-hmm. seven. And if my clients do not have spiritual foundation, it's really critical that they learn it and have it and practice it because faith brings confidence, self-esteem and the ability to forgive. Oh, and that's a good way to put it. Spirituality is one of the number one top five for couples those that practice spirituality together um, have the most loving and long lasting relationships. So get yourself, you know, a good spiritual book. Um, I like the course of miracles um, that I read, but you know, authors like the Dalai Lama, Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Marian Williamson, Tony Robbins, you know, all the great life coaches have spiritual foundations. So it's not about going to church four o'clock every week because to get it out of the way. No, it's about who you are 24 seven. So spirituality is quite different, but that's one of the top five for couples. Nice. uh, I'm glad that you went through that. I was going to ask you, how would you get somebody started on a path towards finding their spirituality? And you already answered it. 
You well, know, yeah, because it's part of the healing of the childhood trauma. Mm. Um, so that's why it's important in my curriculum for, and I have a 150 page workbook for my clients all based on research. Mm. So what they write down in their notes and give to me makes me through bibliotherapy, the writing, it tells me what I need to teach them when we meet again for their session. So we work as a team and, um, but the healing has to come through spiritual forgiveness, rewriting the story, understanding your parents' trauma, and finding the good from the bad. So these are all spiritual concepts. And the more spiritual you are, again, there's what we call the inner light. It attracts so many people. Like mm -hmm. I said, people just think you are a beacon of light and positivity that they want to know you. Yes. So dating is easy. You know, my clients all have multiple offers, you know, when they go out because the light is just shining. It's like, oh, I want to know you. Who are you? You know, and the smile is genuine. It comes from the heart and the inner light. So very it's and it makes you feel great. Yeah. You know? So spirituality for healing for my clients is, is an important part of it. Another good tool in there is active listening. Mm -hmm. You know, being able to really take in what someone's saying and follow it up with a question so that you dig deeper. They understand that you're listening, truly listening, rather than thinking about what you're going to say that's so impressive next. Right. That's yeah. true. I, yeah. I learned that a long time ago. And what it did is it enabled me to get out of my own head. I had mm -hmm. to get out. Of, and, and that's a great place to be. It's terrible to be wrapped up in your own head when yeah. you should be participating with someone. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of communication rules, but let's get into the top five skills for couples or knowing what is Can't a wait. healthy relationship. It's funny. I just sent out an email to my, my group today. It was like motivational Monday. So it's like the top 10 commandments for couples, you know, yes. so now I'm going into one from my book, page 294. It's what I call the top F's of a relationship. The first one is a solid foundation. So the ability to trust not only yourself, but the other, you have this confidence that you are both out there living with integrity, which is another one of the top things. Mm. Um, uh, but you like who you are as a person. You have, you're a successful single. You love who you are. You love your life. Mm. You're proud of who you are this stage of life. And you have good moral values. That's number one. Number two is flexibility. So you're open-minded and caring and easygoing and understanding, empathetic. You're emotionally open. You allow for loving conversations. You allow your partner to vote for the president they want. You allow them to choose vaccine or not for themselves with no arguments, no fights, no divorce. They're their own person. Let them choose what they want to do with their body or not, right? Really important. Uh, fidelity, that's that honesty, loyalty, and integrity, which I define as doing the right things when nobody's looking, okay? Mm. Friendship, your partner should be your best friend, your buddy, someone you can talk to about anything. So people are dating and boom, it's like, oh, she's hot, I want sex with her. That's all they're thinking yeah. versus taking the process slow and really building a genuine, real friendship that they really like each other. You know, because as you go through difficult times, you want your best friend there. Think how long you've had your best friends. Like my best girlfriends have been around 23 years. Mm. We accept each other, whoever they vote for vaccine or not. We may have a little discussion about it, but the end is I love you. I want you to be safe and you do what you choose is right for you. Right. That's how you should be with your partner. That's why the best friend concept is essential. 
really important. And people just rush right through that. Huge mistake. Another F is fun. Do you have enough common interests, hobbies, shared activities? It's okay if you have your own separate thing and then you can do your separate thing when they're doing like, I don't golf. So if they want to do golf, I might go and do a lunch with my girlfriend or go to the beach for the day, you know? So, but you want enough in common that you're doing those together too. Uh, intimacy, a balance of love, deep friendship, daily affection, not just waiting for sexual time. It's like that. And, you know, intimacy and loving communication should be happening on a regular basis, yeah. holding hands when you go out together, you know, that that intimacy should be ongoing. The ability to compromise and negotiate through issues, accepting and we apologize quickly and forgive quickly here in our system. You know, you're not holding resentments. You're not, you know, lashing out in anger. You're having a discussion. You're listening with an open mind and you're trying to find a win for the team. My couples work as a team and then balanced individuals too. So they both have a balanced life and work purpose, boundaries, and then spirituality. I think a lot of guys, when you get to compromise are going to be like me, just start smiling a lot because, uh, <laughs> I think uh, women's idea of compromise and men's idea of compromise are a little different. I think we have to compromise a lot. I think it's, you know, uh, state your opinions and it's like, it's okay, hon, if we disagree on this one and let it go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're not supposed to be identical to the other partner. Respect yeah. the differences. Mm. What if a, a couple is lacking trust? How would you recommend healing that or building trust? When I say without trust, you have nothing. Mm, uh, trust equals, I have a math formula. Trust equals safety over time. So if you nice. feel safe and, you know, they keep their word and they keep their promises and they follow through, you know, the pe person that's constantly let down or promised something and it doesn't happen slowly, it's like, your word means nothing, yeah. you know? And I always say actions do speak louder than words. Are they someone that follows through? Are they saying I'll be there and they're going to show up? You know, I mean, trust is everything of your part. Yes. Agreed. Uh, okay. Uh, where are we at in our top five list for couples? Um, I finished the top five for oh. couples. All right. Oh, yeah. that's kind of nice. Let's see. What else do we got here? See, Lisa and I, we've been together 14 and a half years. We're two very complicated people, individuals. We are uh, complex. And our first half of our relationship was really tough. It's kind of like, why did we even stay together? <laughs> why, why did we keep trying so hard? But we found it to be very, very rewarding and very deep. Uh, we have a very deep relationship and it's still hard. It's still often challenging and often frustrating. So you shouldn't I, be challenged so much. Like, why is the challenge there? Like, why can't you just relax and let each yeah. other have their opinion and let it go? That's a good question. I think as we both like the challenge, I think we both like being challenged a lot. Yeah, that, that could cause you know, yeah. toxic. Yeah you know, vol volatility not in toxic. relationship, you know, yeah. becomes difficult with time. It's like, let's just relax and have a good time. You yeah. know, each other's real friends. That we are, that we are. Uh, but we, yeah, we're definitely 
good friends and we're right. uh we have excellent conversations there you go. very deep meaningful conversations um right. yeah i was just looking for insight into well you know what here plain and simple we both have had very challenging uh childhoods that's where it comes from sure yeah that left their mark and uh yeah. we still and it used to be like pressing each other's hot spot, the the buttons and raw nerves. What we call emotional triggers. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think that we've healed a lot of that. And uh, I think I alluded to it before, but also recognize and are honest with each other about what those are and are open with it. And so we have built trust around right. that. Uh, a lot of that. Um, yeah, trust has to do a lot with safety. And there's other yes. tips I can give you for couples here. Please. Well. Uh, both partners need to live, live the concept of it's you and me against the world. So your partner should always feel like you're number one. No person of the opposite sex should be more important. You don't have ongoing relationships like daily conversations with someone of the opposite sex. Sure. You know, if they're an old friend, bring them in and make sure your partner gets to meet them. Then you can be friends as couples. So anyway, that's important. Um, there's a balanced triangle of me, you and us. So during your you time, that's your work, your physical fitness, your hobby. And then they have theirs. And then the us has to be equally long and important. Very often people are doing their own thing and the us time is like one, two hour date and you don't relate the whole rest of the week. That's too short. Yeah. So always keep in mind, are we in balance? Um, and then here it says, be who you want to attract. This is for couples too. be emotionally healthy. If you want a financially secure person, be financially secure. Don't count on them doing that for you. Um, we have something that we call requirements and there's a list of 12 of them. Make sure you're following the map of what you put as your requirements. For example, if I have a younger client, she goes, yes, I definitely want to be a mom. I want to marry. If I don't have kids, I, you know, I just wouldn't be happy in life. So she, as she's out there dating, one of the first questions should be, are you a man that sees yourself wanting children one day? Because maybe, you know, if she does, I guess so. That's a no. If he's there, oh, absolutely. I wouldn't be happy if I wasn't a father that's a yes. Yeah. Right. So it's conscious dating, conscious listening, not just trying to spin it to what you want to hear, you know? So that's why knowing the, the 24 questions to ask on a date to see if that person has the requirements of what you're looking for. And if not, just release them in love and keep dating. Um, your emotional needs are met. Emotional needs. Do you like daily affection? If you like it and you're not getting it, or if you're out in public, a little PDA, you like to hold hands, you like to flirt, and they don't. They're just sitting there rigid. No, don't do that in public. Like that does not match. You have to have the matched emotionality, we call it. And then functional needs. How do you work in a home? If you're a working woman and your guy wants you to be cooking every night, cleaning, doing the wash, and all that. You're not going to be a happy woman because you don't have a partner at home. Hmm. The home belongs to both of you. You should be equally doing these household chores. It's not just woman's work, right? Okay. So um, as we grew up in the traditional Aussie and Harriet lifestyle, you know, things have changed. I've seen a lot of millennial men's doing a much better job 
you know, like changing the diapers of their kids. Like my ex-husband never changed a diaper, you know, or picked up the baby and fed them. That just wasn't what they did. So that's why there's a lot of divorces in the 70s, you know, because women are working and they're yeah. earning the income, but why do they have to do then everything else? So functional needs are matched. And you talk about that before marriage and who would do what in the household, super important. Um, what are your wants? That's your mutual enjoyment. So like, I want to travel. I want to be dancing on weekends. Some people like camping. Some people hate it. Like make sure that your wants are lined up and that you have a shared vision for your future. You know, if we were together, I would like us to do these types of things together. Sure. So um, they're shared and supported by both of you and something that you both look forward to. As a matter of fact, you know, cool couples are invited to this Cancun trip too. And it's a good chance to get away, meet some other fun people, but have your alone time, you know, as well. So, um, and of course, faith-based relationship. Um, so yeah, those are some tips for couples. Those are great tips. Uh, really great tips. Uh, I think you covered all that very well. I mean, we could go ahead and wrap this up if, uh, unless yeah. you want to share some more. Uh, as I said, I will share all of your main links in uh, in the body copy. And okay. you could go to over50startingover.com to see that. You could catch us on YouTube, Over 50 Starting Over, and on every podcast channel available. So this will be out most likely, most likely by the end of the day. And I'll let oh, wow. you know. That's I'll fast. Email. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. If I mine, I edit and add commercials, and it's like it takes me a while to get mine out there. Yeah, it does but. me too. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully, it will. But I'll email you. Okay. Uh, when okay. I have all the information. All right, yeah, Rihanna. Just include, you know, encourage our our listeners. Like, if you identify with any of the childhood trauma, please get my free resources at my website, rihannamilne.com. You get the first 60 pages for free of Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams books. On my homepage is a free ebook of understanding how to have emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious love and identifying your childhood traumas. Then I have four free love tests, one for singles, one for couples and the childhood trauma checklist that I went over today. Uh, so if you weren't able to write them down, you can get the list for free off my website. Of course, my podcast, Lessons in Life and Love, is everywhere for you guys. And just, you know, start today. Now is the time to create the life you desire and have the love you deserve. Don't wait. That was awesome. All those freebies, too. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, lots of freebies. <laughs> All right. Well, hope to talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you so much.